Okay, first boss fight. Oh, the soundtrack in this game is fucking cool. I can see why Scott wanted me to play it. Oh, now I see why Scott... Is Scott in this game? Jesus Christ. Okay. All right. Let me act. Let me check. Let me check, Scott. What's, what's the status? Very bald. Seems short-tempered and easily upset. A good listener, though. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess the most obvious choice in my act folder is to mention fighting games of course i'm gonna mention fighting games so let's let's select that and see what happens scott got noticeably excited his attacks have sped up all right of course of course of course he got excited he's probably sweating in game right this very second all right still going huh all right well let's pick the next thing what does this say give resident evil village a positive review all right, we'll try it. Scott thinks your taste is absolute dog shit. His attacks sped up even more. Christ, oh, he didn't like that one. It looks like his new armor is made out of Tekken inputs. Oh God. I guess we'll continue to try and get the pacifist run. So let's try and spare this motherfucker. Let's see what's, let's see what's gonna happen. You can't spare someone who's dead on the inside. Oh my God. Is this like, is this why he talks to me about filters and games all the time? Is it because he himself is a 2D filter? Well, I guess there's only one choice here. I'm gonna try to flee. You can't escape. Scott still wants to talk to you about this week's episode of One Piece. There's no escape. Oh my God. There's only one, one selection left. I guess we're gonna have to try it. I guess we're gonna have to start the podcast. Let's try that. Start the podcast. King of the sea. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of King of the Shill, an actual episode, an actual shill. Yes. Doth mine ears, doth mine eyes, doth mine anus deceive me? No, uh, your anus, while prolapsed, is accurate. <laughs> oh my God. How did you know that about me? Uh, I can hear it through your microphone. It was a hot <laughs> mic earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to King of the Shill, indeed. Yeah. I'm Chris, and that is Scott, as always. And if this is your first time joining us, this is not as gross of a show as Scott maybe has set an inappropriate expectation for you as maybe sometimes it gets that way. But this is a show where we try to get each other into things that maybe we're not, the other person isn't into, or we don't have a whole lot of experience with, uh, basically is a conversational way to say, 
like this thing that I like because as Scott so perfectly put it in our very first shill for Star Trek The Next Generation, I just desperately want somebody else to talk to this shit about. Yeah, it's it's just as simple as like it, when you like something, you want to share it, right? You want to talk about yeah. it when you really like something and it's fun to get other people's perspectives, especially when it's like someone, you know, right. So uh, it, this isn't going to be gross. In fact, this is one of the most heartwarming things that I genuinely enjoy. So uh, oh. I'm really interested to see what you think of this, especially uh, our today's topic has some overtones that might be uh, interesting for a new father that I can't oh. relate to. So, Oh, okay. All right. So we're about to get straight off sentimental. Yes. Fifi's like real Fifi's. Well, so give me one guess, and then if I get it wrong, you can berate okay. me some way and then tell me actually what it is. Yeah, go for it. Is it Five Nights at Freddy's? No. But actually, if you're interested in that, we could talk about it because I do know a lot about that game series. Never in played it. Instead, we are going to be talking about as part of a mini arc. That will take oh. shape as we talk talk today. Uh, uh oh, is uh we are going to be talking about Undertale. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you did mention this to me uh several times. Yeah, I like was, I was saying, my my brain was joggling a couple things that you mentioned. Yeah, I was flip flopping through a couple different things, but I I came to rest on this idea because I had a a bigger narrative to tell with a, a handful of these things I want to show you. And I, I just kind of really want to talk about Undertale, too. So, Chris, before I start rambling, rambling about one of my favorite games of the last decade, what do you know about Undertale? I know that the main character's name is Sans. That's Sans? Not, you're already wrong. <laughs> Keep going. No, <laughs> no, Sans. no, not Sans either. The, Sans is not the, the main San character. Sans the is Sans just of time. Sans is just a very interesting NPC. OK, Um. well, then. I know that Kenny Omega used it for his entrance. Yes. He used Megalo Megalomania for his entrance. Yeah, Megalovania, yep. Mm -hmm. For his entrance. I think I said that on the mini-sode the other week. Uh, and I know that it is an indie game of which I, oh, I really only know about because people on Reddit really liked it a long time ago, back when I first got into Reddit. So Yeah, and those are, I, I think that's kind of where I want you to be because... okay. Today's episode, I want to tell you the story of how Undertale came to be, how I interfaced with it, and what I think it means for the game industry with some fun anecdotes along the way. So actually, Chris, I have some visual aids this week. If you will direct oh. your attention, uh, I'm going You've to be doing this a brief reading of the Kickstarter page for Undertale, cool. because you see back in God, what was it? 2014, maybe no, it had to be earlier than that. 2013, uh, a young Scott Whipke was browsing Kickstarter, which at the time had it imploded because people lost faith because nothing was getting delivered. And I was looking at, games and board games that looked interesting to back because at the time the idea of directly funding interesting new things that interest me 
right? Not waiting for something to come out was super compelling to me. And I stumbled upon a little game by the name of Undertale. It hooked me with its art and its one sentence pitch, which was Undertale, a traditional role playing game where no one has to get hurt. Toby Fox was the name. It wasn't a, it wasn't a company, right? This wasn't like right, yeah. a company name. This was one guy, Toby Fox. And as you can see, it got about 2000 backers and raised about $51,000, which is not that much money, right? This is a no, very especially small, especially when you think about like what Kickstarters raise now that, that have, you know, somewhat of a popular backing. Yeah. And I was, I was just like, man, this is tailor made for me because in the description, it reads, Undertale is a role-playing game for Windows. Although Undertale is an original game, the demo has already received many favorable comparisons to the Mother, or Earthbound in English, series, specifically Mother 3. Others have compared it to Cave Story, the Shin Megami Tensei series, To Who, and Homestuck. And I was like, holy shit! I like all those (laughs) things too. With like, I don't read like a lot of Homestuck. Homestuck's a webcomic, but I was like, oh my god! And what you have to understand too, Chris, because I don't know how much you know about these games. Mother is a classic RPG series on uh, Nintendo, SNES, and Game Boy. Only Mm -hmm. three were ever made. Three never made it to um, America. That's where NES and I'm blanking on his name right now. Lucas come from in Smash. Yeah. And they right. were very bizarre little games. Like they they had a lot of meta gameplay. Uh, like there's a part in Earthbound, a very famous part where you become a tree. Uh, it's very huh. weird. And to merge that with Cave Story, which is a it's another indie game, but it's kind of a platforming shooter. Shin Megami Tensei, which you know about, we've talked about it a little bit, which yeah. is a hardcore right. classic RPG of basically collecting demons. It's the, the game that eventually went on to inspire Pokemon, basically. To Who, which is a indie bullet hell series. Oh, and that's then, cool. And then Homestuck, which is a very meta interactive webcomic. All those things swirl around in your brain and you're like, what the fuck do they mean? Right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they all seem like fairly unrelated yeah it's like how what what do you mean that all of these things are like similar to it right and i kept reading and i i promise all this has a point because this is the context i want you to go into the game with because this is all yeah. i basically didn't think about this game at all after reading it the features that it listed was fighting is wholly unnecessary negotiate your way out of danger using the unique battle system Time your attacks for extra damage, then dodge enemy t- attacks in a style reminiscent of top-down shooters. Okay. <laughs> Use the format of a video game to tell the story. Traditional fourth-wall-breaking tropes such as saving, EXP, and LV, to experience and levels, are an integrated part of the game's world. Obligatory puzzles, blah, blah, blah. Planned features. Become, become friends with all the bosses <laughs> that's amazing and at the time i was just like wow this sounds really like cool and original right like yeah this right, this, yeah. this is not a place that a lot of things have gone before there were rpgs that were more about like friendship and things like that like typically yeah, right. made for children but nothing that like specifically promised that i had ever encountered of 
you don't have to fight in this game. You can be friends with everybody. I'm like, that's a bold thing to say. Yeah, right. Because, I mean, like, how how do you compel with a combat system if you can't fight? Exactly. Right? If there's no threat or danger. Right. So I basically forgot about I backed it. Forgot about it for, I think it was three years until it finally released in 2015. Wow. And... Oh my God, did this game <laughs> take the internet by storm. So yeah. you have this game and I want you to experience a lot of it blind, but I'm going to, I'm going to describe some of it. You have this game that it, it innovated in so many ways that so many people could appreciate, but I think especially like the types of Reddit fans and the types of Tumblr fans that like really got into it and became like a very cringy, toxic community. They were probably a little too young to even realize how impressive this stuff was uh -huh. because undertale is a better story about the consequences of violence than the last of us Two. Welcome to this mini arc. So <laughs> I want to show you a handful of some of my favorite indie and double a games that I yeah. think are not necessarily criminally underrated, but I don't think that people realize enough how much better they are at doing artistic things than AAA games, which when you say it out loud, that sounds self-evident. Like, of course, mega company Activision doesn't give a shit about art. They give a shit sure. about the bottom line. But I hear so many people, and we talk about this all the time, say, especially like people our age, that like gaming is so bad now or like there's no good games to play. Everything is one thing or another. And I just really wanted to have this series to talk about some of my favorite indie games and show you a little bit more with what I mean when I say that I'm focusing so heavily on indie stuff now. So, right. Let go ahead. I'm just. I'm just curious. I'm just curious how much you're going to tell me about it before we actually crack into it. I am going to tell you a lot. I'm not going to tell you anything about the segment we're going to play. So, okay. What All right, is enough. Undertale? Why did it explode? So, Undertale is basically a traditional RPG. You can see some of the screens here. Um, there, a lot of the stuff is expired, but you can see that it is basically a uh ness kind of era ness maybe yeah. it's this weird in between looking rpg it is a jrpg or at least inspired by them it has what you could technically call turn-based combat but where undertale differs is that toby fox when he was creating this game had a couple of core values that he wanted to ba base his game around this is this is the tale of an artist and he had help i'm not saying that he made literally everything himself, but right. um, including the soundtrack and so uh, actually including the art. I think he did do the soundtrack himself, but um, he wanted to create a game that could be focused entirely around like negotiation. He didn't want to force violence upon people, which branched out into making a game about the consequences of violence, right? He, he really made a game about player choice. Um, he wanted to have... Like no grinding, really. Uh, and this will this will be a topic we'll have to talk about after you play because I don't want to spoil a mechanic for you. Right. But mm -hmm. there's there's this really important part of he wanted to design the game such that you could just go in a straight line. Undertale really only takes about eight hours to beat. 
probably. And oh, there, okay. there is reason to play it multiple times. Um, he wanted to create a game that had kind of a unified community experience too. This is another game that as far as I recall and to my knowledge, because it might have happened after the fact, doesn't have like multiple difficulties or like tons of branching options. It's really centered around three core stories with some tweaks based on routes. So the community would get around doing what is called a pacifist route, a neutral route, and a genocide route. And the Megalovania song that you are uh, aware of is from yeah. the uh, genocide route specifically. So, oh, oh, that's cool. You get this community centered around this very charming indie game with a very accessible price point. It was only $10, right? Right. Mm -hmm. a, a very easily consumed story about friendship that obviously would take off with like people in the Reddit or the Tumblr crowd, right? But also that it would just had is this non-stop train of quality every fight pushes your understanding of the game a little bit further every moment has a little piece of humor every song is perfect for the setting every boss is like a total inversion of everything you come to understand at that point getting to the 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 crux of the story and seeing the meta elements uh reveal themselves like for example i'm gonna tell you a little bit about the genocide route We'll talk more about it after we play, but in the genocide group, surprise, you kill everybody, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, genocide. Yes. Sure. So in the genocide route, at the very end, the, this is one of the great examples of it. Um, there is a character in the game that is essentially like an evil spirit. And as the last act of the game, he turns to face you, the player, looking at you through the game screen. And unleashes one final attack doing 9,999 damages. And the game closes itself. And if you want to play the game again, you have to sell your soul to him. Because you're dead. Just there's so many little things like that that are just like this, this amazing little wrapper of, right, it, I'm going to use the the gamer word Ludo narrative, right? Like everybody says this <laughs> yeah. word. It's so right. stupid mm -hmm. to say it at this point, but it's telling a story in a medium that only games can. And I think it is one of the most important indie games of the last decade. I don't think that's even a bold statement. So let's now, good. Well, I was, I was going to ask is, I mean, is it even is it even worth classifying? Is it, it, it as just like saying it's one of the most important indie games? Do you think it's one of the most important games, period? I think so. Um, so I want to I want to move our conversation into talking about like the kind of what we're going to play and how the game works. But I think that not only has this influenced a new renaissance of indie RPG games, I think that Undertale is proof positive, and I'm sure it has inspired a lot of people to, that with the right passion and the right, like, like all the, all the components that go into making a game, but like your work ethic, if you have a good idea and you can get it out there, anybody can succeed, right? Undertale was kickstarted for $50,000 from mm -hmm. a guy that was really only known for doing music for Homestuck. An admittedly popular webcomic, but still a webcomic, right? Right, yeah. And it became one of the most popular things ever, right? 
So I think it is probably one of the most important games ever made. Yes. Specifically in the game uh, development context. Right. What it means for the industry. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the game a little bit more and what we're going to play. So you start the game. You are a little boy and you get a little bit of backstory about. uh, Well, actually, I shouldn't say little boy, Uh, a little human child. And uh, you get a little bit of context about the world and you fall into a hole. Undertale. You're in the underworld. Right. So you fall into a hole. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, You go through a little tutorial and you learn how the game works. Uh, You can even see on screen here uh, the four components of the combat screen. I'll zoom in for you. But basically, on any given turn, you can choose to fight, to act, to use an item, or to take mercy on somebody. And as you go through the world, you will meet these little creatures that you see on screen, these little white sprite creatures. And each of them has their own little story. Uh, Luke's and co decided to pick on you is the text that'll play when you've all these monsters. I don't think are specifically the ones in the final game, but like you'll get a little text of like, they're coming to do this. When you fight, you will literally attack the creature, but a lot of times act will ask you to make contextual decisions. Things like when you fight, you, you will meet a several varieties of dogs. Do you pet the dog? Where do you pet the dog, for example, right? And each of these little actions contribute to basically this gist of getting them to accept, to to befriend you, basically, right? You're getting on their good side, at which point you can ultimately spare them. You can use mercy, right? This is the crux of the game, and this is how you get around combat. But it's not that simple, Chris, because unlike in traditional JRPGs, which I'm sure you've seen a few, it is not as simple as I hit a button and then I wait for numbers to be decided for me and then I hit another button. When the enemies take action, you're, you see, do you see the little red heart on screen there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is basically your player character. You will get put into this little box and basically play these little bullet hell segments to not get hit by their attacks. Oh, okay. That becomes more and more complex as the game goes on to the point where it breaks the fourth wall several times it is interesting really compelling and it's something that not enough rpg systems do there are plenty of rpgs that will like spice up the combat a little bit i'm playing the league of legends rpg that just released now the ruined king and it spices up the combat a little bit with a lane system where you can make your attacks go faster or slower, depending on the lane. But ultimately, it is still the game where you press a button, wait for numbers to get decided, and then press a button, right? Right. Mm -hmm. There are not many RPGs that totally change the paradigm, right? And the bullet hell segments are going to be really important, and we'll talk about it, depending on the way you play the game. So... We'll, we'll, we'll call back to all these things like the not having to grind, uh, not having to fight anybody, being in a straight line and not having to backtrack. Why all those things are important, specifically with the way you choose to play the game, right? So, Well, I love bullet hell shit. Bullet so. hell is going to be fun. <laughs> so we're going to go through the first maybe hour or so. It depends on how fast you go. It's actually pretty. It's not that much of the game, right? Sure. And get a feel for the game. 
and then I'm just going to skip ahead and I'm going to show you some of the later bosses and how it like changes the bullet hell paradigm, right? And then we're going to talk about the genocide route because another thing that's really interesting about this game and really what I want to talk to you about once we get to it is the rather bold statement I said before that Undertale does a better job of talking about violence through video games and yeah. like revenge even kind of right it does a better job talking about those things than the last of us 2 and what i want us to talk about is the genocide route as compared to your experience because chris i have never done a genocide route i have never killed a single monster in undertale i've never done it i've watched videos of it in fact, the community sent death threats, notably to several YouTubers that were like doing genocide runs like Markiplier quit. What? Markiplier quit his Undertale playthrough because he was so stressed out from people like criticizing him for doing like killing monsters and stuff. So why? Because this. Well, first of all, let me say that's totally unacceptable behavior. But, well, yeah, and people people in these parasocial relationships with streamers and content creators have their own set of problems. This community is fanatical about the game design. I don't consider myself part of the Undertale community. I think they're cringe. Uh, but, <laughs> like, the, the game convinced me that I never wanted to harm any of these creatures. And that is such a, it is such a, it's such cool. a compelling gameplay thing, right? Right. Yeah. I wanted to read you this opening part because I wanted you to f have basically the context I did when I went into Undertale with just this image of this bo little boy, girl, whatever, being looked down on by this like saintly creature. looking yeah, creature. And the sentence, a traditional role playing game where no one has to get hurt. So what do you think? Are you excited? Yeah, I mean, I I've never had a reason to try Undertale. Mm -hmm. um, just number one, I never really looked into it. But number two, like the the concept usually has to be. You know, pretty on point for me to, in order to um, engage with an indie game of this style. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so. Like I can, I really like appreciate like the art style that Undertale has going for it, but it was never going to be something that I would have checked out um, on my own because I just would have never had a reason to yeah, right. explore it. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to finally have one, right? Like it's like this, it, it's this, like I, 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 I didn't even know half of what we just talked about in terms of like the scope of the game. Yeah. Uh, until tonight so it's i mean i'm excited to i'm excited this to to see the the contrast between like the early game and then some of the some of the later game concepts because um it, you know i really like emergent style gameplay mm -hmm. and it this almost seems like emergent game design right right yeah. rather than rather than like setting the player up to you know sort of think of new ways to complete 
things in the story it's like the game itself is almost evolving in front of you right so this is this is truly a ludo narrative game and i realize it's really cringe to say that word because everybody says it it's it's basically like saying it makes you feel like spider-man right it's like such a (laughs) nothing thing to say but i get so weirdly passionate about this game and i'm actually get really excited because i'm gonna do uh delta rune the follow-up to this game a related game by toby oh, fox that's cool uh i'm excited because that's in my backlog and i'm finally going to get a chance to go through chapter one and two of that and i thought it would be cool to share this with you because i get like i said i get weirdly passionate about this game because of the way it made me feel and yeah. even beyond just like lots of games make me feel things like even game cinematics make me feel things but this made me feel like my decisions right my decisions were what were impacting my like emotional state uh right yeah so it's it's what it's what they wanted for mass effect yeah basically it has better (laughs) endings than mass effect too your choices actually (laughs) fucking matter so yeah cool well i'm i'm psyched man so we're starting off with like the the straight straight up the Mm -hmm. beginning of the game yep is that right Mm -hmm. that's correct and then and then we're moving on so how how much of the later game stuff will be like how far into the game are we going like i'm over going halfway i'm not going to show you the ending because my hope is that with the shill that you'll decide to finish it i'm going to show yeah. you a handful of bosses so that you can see where the game goes and gotcha. more more okay. specifically so i can talk to you about some like game mechanics and stuff yeah and then i'm going to show you several parts of the genocide route uh in, oh, in video okay. as cool. well so all right well sweet well yeah. i'm but let's i mean i'm psyched man let's i i think we should just fucking crack into it what do you yeah. say sounds good to me all right awesome Before we get into our commentary about this mm-hmm. game, I would like to go over a list of features listed on the Steam yep. page. Killing is unnecessary. Yes, we know we this. You may time your attacks for extra damage and then dodge enemy attacks in style reminiscent of top-down shooters, or as we referred to it, yep. bullet hell. There's original art and soundtrack brimming with personality, and I can't help but agree. A soulful, character-rich story with emphasis on humor created mostly by one person. You can become friends with all of the bosses. There are at least five dogs. You can date a skeleton. Mm -hmm. All of these are true. Now there are six dogs. Maybe you don't want to date the skeleton. I thought I found the seventh dog, but it was actually just the third (laughs) dog. If you play this game, can you count the dogs for me? Because I'm not good at it. I think this is probably the most succinct synopsis of a game i have ever seen and it's very true like it sounds like a meme and it i mean it is a meme but it's it's very true of not only what is literally in the game but kind of the spirit of it right like this just kind of feels like an, an extension of what we just experienced i so agree i i am really excited to start digging into this we have returned from our under undertelling yes. And we we have some thoughts. I'm sure we oh, have yeah. some thoughts. So I I think I think the first thing that I want to say is that I came into this totally uninterested in Undertale. 
And I think that gave me a uh, sort of like a unique perspective. And I don't want to say uninterested in like, I just was like not looking forward to the shill, but uninterested as in like, this game has literally been smacking me in the face for six years. And never once have I been like, I feel like playing Undertale, Mm -hmm. right? Even though, even though my favorite wrestler, Kenny Omega dressed up as Sans, which I forgot to talk to you about that offline, which I have a take about. Let's go for it. I think that, yeah. Think that Absolutely. we should talk about that later but but yeah um so i i'm curious i'm curious what did you think of my playthrough that you saw at first so i thought you were extremely bored and feel free to tell me if you were because undertale does start slow and that was never really what i wanted to sh- sell to you but i did want to like immerse you in that same place i was where i first got it because the start of the game is it literally for it's to characterize Toriel, the, the beginning of the game literally coddles you in some ways. Right. Which, which can get yeah, a little right. frustrating, but it's all to serve Toriel's character, this overprotective mother figure that you you'll still even get more context to the game will explain even more about that later for you. But yeah, that's my first impression was that you were like very bored and very confused why we were talking <laughs> about it. But I, I was really excited to see like you engaging with it by the time we got to Snowden town and some of those fights and even hearing that you were doing some of it offline. Uh, right. So, so oh, yeah. we, uh, mm, yes, I, I continued, I continued playing after we finished the, the initial slice because I was, I, I, I think I even told you, I was like, I think I want a little bit more time with this game too, before I'm ready to talk about it. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to like see some of what you might have had commentary on before we were actually ready to talk about it. But I was able to get a large portion in um, and sort of encroach into that, which we'll talk about the Undyne fight in a second here. But um, I was not bored. I think I think the problem is not the problem, but the thing with this is like I am so like paying attention to everything that's happening and wanting to make sure that I don't miss anything that I was just like fucking laser. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you too. Cause like we're, I would, that was like one of our most silent playthroughs of all time. Right. Cause I was, yeah, I mean, I was genuinely enjoying it too. Like I was like, I was, I was, I was fucking, I was was like, I don't want to just like start saying shit because I want Chris to just like experience this. I don't want to be like, and this is the part where whatever, right? Like I wanted you to have this natural yeah, reaction yeah, yeah. to everything that was occurring. I would take little moments to be like, let's like listen to the music real quick. Right. And like, cause like in the ruins, <laughs> the music is Toriel's theme just toned down and more airy. Right. Like the little, little, little yeah, notes right, like right, that. Right. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I thought that, I thought this was going to be one of those things where you might like artistically appreciate it, but be like, yeah, um, um, this isn't for me, but I see why this is cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, um, I was really trying to wrap my head around the combat experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I was, um, that was like one of the biggest things that, that I remember of, of that, that initial like hour and a half or so is like every time we would come into combat, I, I, I came into it with the knowledge of like you know like like we said a game where nobody has to get hurt and you know without exploring that theme too much it already you know which i guess this is the point right like you said you were you're trying to really sort of um 
re-emulate that space that you are in with this game. And that's like the only thing that you really knew about it before going in. So it influenced you wanting to explore everything Mm -hmm. but fight. And I wanted to explore everything but fight. But it was because I knew that like you didn't have to fight in this game, right? But I just, I wasn't really prepared for what that would all entail and what that would mean. So I was just like, really trying to wrap my head around it and i hit a point in the game um shortly after i kept playing through after we uh on my own where i mean i think this is kind of like one of the best moments of the game so far for me it was just like this realization where it's like just don't even worry about structure to this combat system just take it instance to instance yeah. mm-hmm. right because you're not going to be able to like it's different when you're running into the same enemy and you kind of know what to do and how to mm-hmm. spare them. Right. But in terms of the like the bullet hell segments and what what different enemies throw at you and everything, I was just like I, I had this moment where I was like, it is really, really a bad idea to try and preempt what I'm going to run into because it's so much different oh, yeah. every time. Right. Well- and I think that's that that was one of the best moments of the game so far for yeah, me. Yeah, so. that's one of the most magical parts about it because there's so much. It it runs the risk of being confusing, and I'm sure it was confusing to a lot of people that have played it. But it runs the risk of being confusing by taking this approach of like every moment should be its own little story in a way, right? Like the type of enemy, like the, I can't remember the specific name of it, but there's an enemy in Snowden town. that's like a reindeer that the local bullies picked on it and put presents in its hair. Right. And beating that one is all about being a nice person and undecorating his antlers. Right. And then you have something completely different in, uh, the undying fight, which it's not fair to compare a boss to a, uh, thing but like the entire premise of the undying fight spoilers for a mid-game boss is to run away right so it like there, yeah. there's mm-hmm. these it's it runs the risk of being confusing but it's satisfying to like basically each each little encounter not even just combat encounters like even running into temmy did you meet temmy yeah so uh, once yes like each little moment is its own little puzzle box and it's so satisfying to kind of like unwrap that and figure out what you're supposed to be doing and all the things you can do. Yeah. And I think that's probably a really good place to start with our commentary on, on the slice is just this really abstract format. That's constantly throwing you new Mm -hmm. iterations on the systems. You typically start getting familiar with after like 35 minutes to an hour in the game. Right. Like, like, you know, we'll say devil may cry for example right when devil may cry first starts teaching you devil may cry five when it first starts teaching you how to use the devil breakers right right? it puts you in like three consecutive combat scenarios that the enemy structure and the venue that you're in it's very obvious they're like use the devil breaker and then from that point on the devil breaker never changes it's it's a tool that you have in your arsenal and when you use it, you use it. But like with with this, I mean, it's it's already right off the bat getting into some of the more uh, notable characters like Papyrus. 
Papyrus coming into his encounter when you're trying to convince him to go on a date yeah. with you, right? Completely throws everything that it's been showing you out the fucking window. It's like this, you know, what you're expecting out of the bullet hell segments, what you're expecting out of the line of dialogue that you have to go down to uh, evoke the result that you want. It's a completely different experience. that's still grounded in the same foundational yeah. design, mm -hmm. right? And it, it it's, the only constant is chaos. And even then that's like itself part of the narrative, right? Like one of my favorite moments of the game, honestly, is early on the fight with Toriel where simply by trying to spare her, this creature that is very clearly astronomically more powerful than you, right? She'll, yeah, she'll intentionally miss you with the bullets, right? She's like, don't look at me like that. Right. Right. These, these moments where it's right. like, the the game can completely change in in just a second and have this really impactful ludo narrative moment where you found that thing and the the sudden topsy turviness of the chaos in this case Toriel being like holy shit why did the game get so hard all of a sudden right but like that <laughs> that moment of oh that's what this is about right this thing here so yeah right it's it's super cool I, I i i really love the combat in this game for everything that it isn't right yeah i mean i think that's a great way to 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 uh you know package the 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 uh critique on it is just that for for a seemingly bare bones and basic as it might seem from a ui perspective and when you first sit down with it it is narratively deep without confusing you with what you should or shouldn't right. be doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's such a great, and I, I, again, I'm only like two and a half to three hours in at this point. So I haven't seen like a whole lot of the game, but so far where I'm at, I really think that that is a really great contrast to a lot of the simple elegance that's in the visual yeah. design. Right. And I think it would be really easy to say that this is like a retro like or a stripped down sort of like, you know, well, this is obviously they're they're obviously going for like the chip art of the NES or SNES era or whatever. Right. It's just there's there's just a little bit more mm -hmm. to it. Right. That's that's not necessarily just like a a throwback look or intentionally being nostalgic for this reason or that reason. It really goes to sort of, I think, provide a great undertext to the complexity of the narrative that you're playing over because it makes the environments a lot easier to interact yeah. with, in my opinion. And they almost become like a reprieve. Yeah, in a it's way. it's it's nice because it tonally grounds the game in something, right? Like we're we'll talk about the genocide stuff later, but like I, yeah. I I explained to Chris that my first experience with the game and how I tried to train his first experience a little bit was tempered by this idea that this is the game where no one needs to get hurt. I was really hooked by that line in the Kickstarter, right? So I went about the game basically as everybody's best friend. I was nice to everybody. I was always sparing. I never, I never hit the fight button one time, right? Because I was taking the game and mm -hmm. it's about, I'm like, right. okay, I'm calling your bluff, right? You said I don't have to fight. I'm not going to fight. Yeah. So, yeah, um, right. you get this this kind of saccharine sweet experience going alongside it of like you're kind of just traipsing through the under underworld, making friends with everybody. And you have this nice kind of 
like retro, but it's more, it's just like wholesome, right? Like there's not a, there's, yeah, yeah, there's not a, a way to put it. There's not a uh, saturation of budget or like th- these moments where you look at something like you can look at Toy Story or something like that. Something that's objectively made to be wholesome and like for kids, at least at certain points and like see the parts where they're trying a little bit too much. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right, there, yeah there's exactly. just that gentle elegance of Snowden town. Just the, the couple little blocky buildings. Right. The snowman that's falling yeah. apart and all that kind of stuff. So. It yeah. grounds that in this, like you said, this this bigger Ludo narrative thing. And this is why I, I think that him using these graphics, first of all, is because of, I think his familiarity with the style. It's easier for one man to do. Mm-hmm. And he worked on Homestuck before. So I think he was just comfortable with doing this type yeah. of thing. But it's also for things like you touched on this. That reindeer that I mentioned before, right? It might look like the sprite is just like this thing but when you undecorate his antlers the presents literally come off of his antlers right there's tons of moments like that where the character sprites themselves will dramatically change like i i can't remember which dog it is i think it's greater dog where you can keep petting him so much that his neck extends off screen like he does he does basically (laughs) long cat as long dog right like things like that where right because it's so it's such a focused and I don't want to call it low effort because that sounds like insulting. It's like it's a it's a more streamlined art style, right? He can toy around with these concepts within the context of combat without having to do tons of 3D animation or whatever, right? So, yeah, I would almost call it a reduction of sorts, right? Because it's not it's not necessarily this um, scaled back uh art direction Mm -hmm. and design uh philosophy that would suggest that like like you said like it's it's a budget thing or you know and all of these things are obvious about him working on it himself and his familiarity with it but as you said with with the reindeer creature and even some of the uh some of the uh stuff that we would see with undying Mm -hmm. on the the genocide run and even right like it's it's just it's just a little more right like it's it's there all of that stuff is there but it's not immediately noticeable on the surface because it's it's all been reduced down to this really digestible uh uh art style and then whenever the moment is right to show these yeah. things they show themselves right uh i i i love it i think it's i think it's so fucking elegant i think it is the epitome of less mm-hmm. is more i think that it is it achieves uh, and everything not only not only the visual but the audio art um and uh even like the the direction of the areas that you're walking through leading up to uh undyne is achieves an atmosphere that even like big budget triple a games really fucking yeah, struggle and to do. i mean there's there's an appeal in subtlety right like less is more you hit the nail on the head yeah the difference we're getting a little ahead of ourselves at the genocide stuff, but like to touch on two things, the shift between the undying fights, depending on the route, right? All it takes is a new outline of armor, a shift in the posture, a glowing eye and a soundtrack change. And now the stakes are completely different, right? It doesn't have to be a completely new character model. And she didn't have to have this. I mean, she does have an amazing monologue, right? She's basically the, shonen hero at that point right she's like 
I'm, I'm with the power of friendship. I'm going to take you down, you monster. Yeah. <laughs> but more to the point, I mean, like she doesn't need a 30 minute cinematic where she like goes Super Saiyan or whatever. Like I'm looking at like Final Fantasies do this a lot, right? Where whenever there's yeah, a boss mm-hmm. that metamorphosizes, they have like some big moment, right? And it's just as simple as she she resists fading away. And now she has a new outline and it's so powerful because it's like it, you, it's not parlor tricks. It's it's something you can feel. Right. And it's something you enacted. And similarly, the part leading up to it, like now you've experienced that on basically the pacifist route. Right. But think about right. that mm-hmm. from the context of the genocide route and what you've seen. Like it becomes less about this, like you're running from this creature and more about like you're almost like the predator. You know what I mean? Like you're stalking this kind of wetland wilderness looking for victims, right? It completely changes the narrative and all that changed was your player decisions to that point. It's there. There's so much power in that subtlety. Yeah. We'll, we'll touch more on that um, in in a bit here, but I want to go back to um, sort of the design choices here and um i think that there's this really great moment early on and i i mentioned it earlier and alluded to it but i want to i want to sort of dive through this a little bit here is your entire interaction in the beginning with Mm -hmm. papyrus and how that leads up to the date segment because i think that that in and of itself uh that small uh uh section of the game that small part is a really great sort of uh, statue almost to, I think what, what is great about all of these design choices that, that he's made making this game, because you not only have the sprite switches, right? Like the, the, the way that the character looks changes, right. But you've got this terrific, like boppy little soundtrack during the entire thing. And then the humor in the writing and the way that the, uh, that, that, that ties into um, how the combat and how the the encounter structure um, gets more abstract uh, is, I think, really like that. That was the moment where I was like, "This is a game yeah. for me," right? Like, not not to not to spoil the the end of the episode or anything, but that's when I really started to take to it because I was like, "This is." It almost felt like it was a moment where everything sort of like shook yeah. hands you know what i mean i loved that moment i think that uh you know because it's it's also not enough that papyrus and sans both speak in their yeah fonts yeah faces too <laughs> which is fucking fantastic right but you get this moment right where it's like you're going through this line of questioning with mm-hmm. papyrus who is this taller skeleton guy He's got this great cheeky winky face, yeah. winky smiley face on him. He's Sans's brother. And he thinks Undyne is just the coolest and he wants to be part of the Royal Guard. So Undyne, and again, I think this in in hindsight, in retrospect, is such a such a great little breadcrumb that you're just not cognizant of until after you encounter Undyne and even after you start to like see some of the genocide run stuff with undyne is that sans tells you in the beginning of the game that papyrus basically is kind of he's you you, you can tell he's kind of like an oaf right he's he's just love right he's like a dope yeah he's slub right and so like he wants to be part of the royal garden he wants to belong and he wants to be and undyne was like 
Yeah, here, here, here's a suit of armor. Yeah. Put it on. Yeah, you can do it. I you believe know what in you, mean? buddy. Like, yeah, you can try. Yeah. I believe. I believe in you. You know what I mean? And like at the time, like you're thinking, I'm just thinking two yeah. feet in front of me. You know what I mean? Like I'm looking at Papyrus. I'm like, oh, he wants to be part of the guard that's yeah. hunting humans. This is sort of a bad guy that I can change. Good, whatever. Now I've got that added context of just like you know, the, the relationship to undying that, you know what I mean? And like how undying maybe, maybe isn't this like tyrant monster yeah. coming after you. Well, right. It's even, but. it's even like little things. Like the more I, I think about the game, the more I appreciate it of like him paying that favor forward in either route of like undying, putting that faith in him and he's going to put it in you. Yeah. Right. Cause that's, that's what a yeah, true right, hero right, does. Yeah. Right. Like just little things yeah, like that, exactly. that you wouldn't know until you take that right. little step further. Yeah, they're um, it's like croutons, yeah. right? It's like, you know, it's you get excited whenever you find a crouton in your salad. You didn't know it was there because you're like, I am eating a salad and it's healthy and it's kind of all right. Oh, yeah. but a crouton, right? <laughs> yeah. Especially when it's covered in ranch and peas and shit from the Pizza Hut yeah. buffet. Anyway, the uh, but so that all comes together in this segment where you're talking to him about trying to convince him to go on a date. And he's changed out of his <laughs> his, his, his suit yeah. of armor into what is basically yeah, schlub cool clothes, guy. right? Cool, no, cool, cool dude. dude yeah. Cool dude on his shirt. And the best line there is, is he's like, uh, he's like, oh, you like my shirt? He's like, it used to just say dude before I added the cool <laughs> to it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's this yeah. stuff, right? And like. The font, this big all caps papyrus font is like shaking when he's saying yeah. his lines. It's like it's almost reminiscent of boss dialogue in games like this where they really want to accentuate like the emotion behind what's yeah. being said here. Right. And you get to the point where you talk to him enough where you're about to ask him on a date. And he says he has this line where he's like, you do love me. It's all been for my sake. Don't cry because I can't kiss you because I don't have yeah. lips. It's just it's all it's really this. Uh, it's just it's such a great, I think, example of what is really good about Undertale very early on in the game. And it that like I said, that that's really the moment where I. Started I'm glad you took it. to this because I want to talk about some of the other stuff too, like audio. But this this is my niche for writing because we talk about this all the time in our daily lives. Like there's things like I'll take a shit on Kingdom Hearts because I've played all the games. So people can't tell me I'm not a fan. <laughs> so uh, so I played all the Kingdom Hearts games. And after two, I don't know how much you know about Kingdom Hearts, Chris. Uh, there's like there's like 14 games. And Three of them are like numbered. There's like, well, not that's not even true because there's like three, five, eight over two days. But anyway, Kingdom Hearts one, two and three are three games. Uh, there were games in between one and two. There were about 10 games in between two and three. And I hate three mm. and it kind of ruined the series for me. But people <laughs> like to say that characters in that game are deep. And it's hard not to be deep when you appear in 14 games that are on average 60 hours sure. long. Right. So, right. My thing has always been that brevity, right? Brevity is the soul of wit. And there's a great quote of if I had more time, I would have wrote a shorter letter. Right. 
Good characterization (laughs) doesn't require volumes of exposition. Good characterization is the maximization of development in as little dialogue as possible. You haven't talked to Papyrus really in the grand scale all that much, maybe a grand total of like 10 minutes. Right. And you already know everything about him. Right. You know exactly what kind of character he is. And he's had his great moments and he has those little moments of, like you said, his little kind of right. The sound effects when he talks, it's all in papyrus script and he gets so excited that sometimes the dialogue box shakes, right? Like all those moments create a character that's so compelling in so little time. And it just respects its audience so much. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't need to have the tearful backstory circle jerk flashback of a 30 minute scene of him meeting undyne right you know exactly what their relationship is like right so yeah well you know i think the key there is like like you said respecting the audience right it's um i feel that when when you have uh characters that are written into stories that are almost overly complex they're written in a way that almost feels like it's like i have to do this because you just won't fucking understand it if i don't you know what i mean And I think that when you start walking down that road, that's a really hard path to deviate from because it's almost like telling a really complicated lie, Mm -hmm. right? It's like you have to lie and then you have to lie to keep your original lie intact. It's almost that kind of thing for me where it's like sometimes I feel like, you know, characters and stories just get aspects added to them and things added to their narrative and their story that are presented in a way that they're trying to to, to deepen an experience that they already went through or to contextualize a, an attribute that, you know, they're, they're uh, exemplifying throughout their story, but it just goes to sort of like, it's like Aria with the, well, a many faced yeah. God storyline, right? It's just like you added this because you needed me to understand that she could do it herself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why? Well, it's, it's like the there are several. I don't know if there's one in canon now, but there were several things that like did the backstory of like Greedo in Star Wars. Like, who the fuck yeah. cares, <laughs> yeah. dude? You know what I mean? Like, not everything needs to be too deep for me. You know what I mean? It has to be. It just, yeah. just get the point across. And I really appreciate art that does that. Like, I don't. Uh, getting the behind the scenes stuff with like undyne and papyrus so like papyrus going on his date undyne you either will or you have seen some of the behind the scenes stuff with her that characterizes her i'm not saying you shouldn't have that stuff but it doesn't need to be this diatribe you know what i mean it can just be little moments that yeah. help you to understand the type of person it is because the other thing too to think is i really respect in a medium like games and things like movies that the way that you interact with people in the real world for the most part is that you judge them based on their actions and what you see of them. You don't judge it based on what you've read of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I feel like it's more natural that way. You don't know everything about the people you interact with in real life. It should, it should be the same way in art that's mimicking those kinds of emotions. Yeah. That's a really interesting, that's a really interesting point. And I think that actually 
actually really ties into a, not some of what we'll discuss with the genocide yeah. stuff as well, you know. Um, but you know, there's this um, there's this meme in in the Destiny sphere where because the game lacks content. Mm-hmm that Bungie considers friendship to be the real oh, end yeah. game, uh-huh. right? Well, friendship friendship is the real end yeah. game, right? It's not not about cool raids or end game loot. It's about grouping up with your friends, right? But what if it actually was, right. though? And this is the most interesting question that Undertale poses, I think. I think it is, it's, it's, in part with the a game where nobody has to die or make friends with the bosses and so on and so forth. But it's also this, I think, really fun friendship storyline yeah. thus far. And I nothing epitomizes that to me more than Naps yeah. Blue. Naps of Blue is great. Uh he's millennials incarnate for the most part. Zoomers too, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, so describe Naps Naps the Blue to our audience. I okay, so he's a spooky, spooky yes. ghost. He, he literally is... looks like a caricature of a ghost where it's like the sheet over the head kind of ghost. Yeah. Yeah. He would look he would he he would not stick out or in Pac-Man, for example. Or Pac-Man, <laughs> right. Um and you first encounter him. He's laying on this floor. And all you need do is be kind to him. Yeah. And he kind of just goes along his merry way and leaves you alone. And you run into him later on in the game a couple times. But my favorite of these times is when you find his house. Mm-hmm. And you go into his house. And maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I feel like the fact that he's so obsessed with music is why he's named yeah. Napster Blue? No, I think that's absolutely true. Nap- Napster, yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 right. And it's like this, you know, like sort of like bachelor pad little apartment place, right? But there's this phenomenal, phenomenal moment in it, right? Where you are able to interact with his different tunes. And one of them is like a spooky tune, and it's like you turn it on, and it's like, ooh. Mm-hmm. kind of spooky right then the other one is like a trippy like phaser kind of sp- space spooky mm-hmm. tune and then the other one is holiday spooky tunes and it's just ghost sounds but it's to the melody of jingle <laughs> bells and it's like sort of yeah. dissonant a little bit but i love this I, I love this character so much because it's it's the exact thing that you love about like cute little npcs but it's got this element where he just naturally feels like a guy you've run into on the street and you just keep yeah. seeing him. And eventually you just, you, you exchange names and you're like, we should grab coffee yeah. sometime. That's well, what Napster Blue feels like. NPCs like that are important in games because in especially games that are very challenging or very bizarre, like characters that provide a place of respite, like that's time honored game design. You know what I mean? That's why some of the most popular, like, yeah you have the exact opposite like characters like navi they're like reviled and memed for how like abrasive they are right like hey listen and yeah. then you have characters like uh i mean i i'm sure i can come up with a bunch but uh you have characters like uh anybody in like a dragon age game well at least the first one right like the members of your party that you've bonded with mass effect characters get a lot of this too like garris right garris um yeah 
um, going and talking to him during your in between your missions, right? Or um, uh, Tali, right? Like those moments of respite are our brains as humans are trained to like to bond with people in a certain way. And and writers in games are very cognizant of that. And they create those intentionally for you to like create these emotional bonds to these characters and hook you into the game. So you finding Nasty Blue's house and just chilling and zoning out and seeing the universe the way he sees it for a little bit. Right. Like that's, that's, that's an intentional moment. That's to make you feel like, wow, this is a, this is a cool little world that I'm in right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, there are different types of world building, but I think that when you can flesh out the uh, boundaries of the world that your game exists in, um, even if there are seemingly no boundaries with a character that grounds itself within the world that you're in, I think it's a, it's always a big win. And I mean, so would you smooch a ghost? ghost. Yes. I I would would smooch smooch a lot of characters in that game, but (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I I want to talk about something you touched on a little bit there, which is like one of the most I think the one of the biggest legacies of the game even now is its music. Toby Fox made an incredible yeah, soundtrack, it's... and I wanted to get your thoughts on overall how you felt about it, even in the zones, because the boss music, like obviously boss themes are great, right? But and yeah, then yeah, yeah. some mm-hmm. of your highlights. Well, I mean. I had heard a couple tunes um, from the soundtrack a couple different ways. Number one, you know, like we said, Kenny Omega used Megalovania for his uh, entrance music uh, during one of their Halloween shows and dressed up as Sans. And you had sent me a couple of the metal covers of the tracks. Mm-hmm. And I think they were specifically, um, they were Undyne's boss yep. theme, uh, the, non, the non-genocide the Yeah, uh, Spear of Justice, one. yep. And Spear of Justice, thank you. And Arachnophilia, the one with the (laughs) Muffets theme. Um, I really liked the two songs that you sent me, like the metal covers of them. And like, I had always heard Megalovania and I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's cool. It's a cool chiptune soundtrack. But I much prefer the actual game soundtrack over these metals, which is not usually how that because like I love I love chiptune. Don't get me wrong. But songs that are from games from my childhood, games that I've played for a really long time, I, I don't know. I, I love metal covers of them, right? I love guitar covers of them and shit. Like you said earlier, I think it adds a really interesting depth to the music because it's like you're hearing the song with actual realized instruments ver- versus the 8 or 12 or 16-bit synthesizations uh, right. of them, I mm-hmm. guess you would call it. Um, so I was really, really excited when it was just like, almost everything i've heard is a hit so far and the the i think the biggest the biggest soundtrack moment for me is when you're you're in the wishing cave section i think it's called where you have all of the the flowers oh yeah 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 yeah. hold on to memories Mm -hmm. and stuff it's on the way to undone so there's all these like really bright neon blue colors and there's these like really deep purples right and this really stark black background and there is just this great ambient music that's just like permeating through everything and it's just like it walks this line of being able to stoke the nostalgia flame right because it's it's got that um it's got that tinge of obviously chiptune of chiptune's past but it has this like really unique freshness to it 
because it's modern music, mm. but it's done in this really like retrospective yeah. way. So I really loved a lot of that ambient stuff, but I mean, Spear of Justice is probably the jam, like so far from what I uh, that's understandable. I, I like too that like just like with everything in the game, the audio tells such a story. And it's it's it sounds like kind of cliche to say that because like so many we're we're spoiled with so many great composers in video games now. But really, I think the songs in Undertale tell a great story about the situations they're in, like especially like even things as silly as Temi's theme. It sounds like farts being played by a toddler on a tiny keyboard. Right. Yeah, it's like and, you know, (laughs) as soon as you hear that. Before you even associate it with Temi, you're, you're, you say to yourself, some stupid shit is about to happen, right? Like clown <laughs> fart noises, yeah. the song is. But then yeah. you listen to it and it's like, oh, okay, like the song's actually kind of catchy, even though it's weird clown <laughs> fart noises. You know what I mean? It's. It, I think it's actually supposed to be yeah. a synthesized, like kind of goofy dog bark, but but uh, okay yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. anyway like well it's it's a, it's the same thing with um like sam's yeah. voice right yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, he's kind of supposed to like it sounds almost yeah. dopey right and i feel like it's intentionally that way because i feel like the 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 intention is to like so, so that you're kind of like not really taking him mm-hmm. seriously he's kind of just like absolutely a, like a dope yeah. almost mm-hmm. you know so yeah i mean like there are a lot of even small things like that within the game's audio design that uh just are as big of a, a a part of the package as anything else but i think the real meat of the game yeah. is uh, the way that it reacts to yeah, what this, you're doing and i i i i think that we're okay. ready to talk this about this is so this is the shit. meat this is why i wanted to show you the game this is the meat of the thesis right this mini arc uh is the idea that there are so many triple a games that are missing the mark on critical things. This episode is about kind of the last of us Two, but more the idea that AAA games have lost sight of how a game can tell about the consequences of your actions, specifically violence, right? Yeah. And undertale is one of the most meta fourth wall breaking video games in the public consciousness of the last several years, right? Undertale is a game that has several, for the most part, predefined routes, a neutral route, which almost everyone will do on their first try, a pacifist route where absolutely nobody is harmed. And what's called a genocide route where you kill absolutely everything. And I didn't (laughs) want to spoil Chris on too much, especially once I realized that he was kind of enjoying himself. So I showed him a couple of the things later in the game just to show him like how kind of wacky the bullet hell segments will get and like how creative they get. But I did sit Chris down and show him some of the key differences that happen in the parts he's played when you go through the genocide route and when you kill everybody. And I'll I'll describe a little bit about what this is, but I want to hear your reactions to each because even at the beginning of the game, the tone has changed so dramatically from that that tale of like friendship and like the the triumph of the heart and kindness right over evil right like it, it changed so dramatically even in the first couple seconds where you'll realize that by killing the enemies you faced you've literally emptied the ruins in which you start the game 
you'll get a message that'll say like it basically like a random battle will start and it'll say, but nobody showed up. You've literally massacred these people. They will never come back. Like, I also love what that says about how the interactions go from random enemies springing on you to surprise you and attack you and you looking yeah, for blood. Exactly. And this game, it judges you for what you're doing, which is one of my favorite parts of it, right? Because, yeah. so let me say one more aside before we move on. Like, I've already mentioned that my experience with the game was starting the pacifist run. I think I even said in our first part of the episode that I never played a genocide run. I've only ever watched it. And the reason is right. that a genocide run is, it's basically you as a player committing to wipe out these lovable characters just because you can right like it's it's literally just wanton violence for its own sake and the game immediately recognizes that quality in you and it brings it up little things like you'll be rummaging through the kitchen of toriel's house toriel this lovable mother figure that takes care of you and wants to keep you safe and for reasons that especially if you've beaten the game that are even more emotionally compelling that you, when you, what you learn about her yeah. and you're rummaging through her kitchen and the normal thing. And it's like, Oh, this is like the, some autorials hair garden is saying, ha 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 to the character now saying, where are the knives in red text, right? It's laying its yeah, judgment right. on you. It knows that you are out for blood. Like you said, right? Toriel, yeah. this character that some people might not have, they, they might've gotten frustrated with how, uh, difficult she was compared to the content Amelia before. Like it's like fighting like a mid-level boss at the end of the tutorial level, right? It's it's very jarring. Yeah, right. And Flowey, this evil creature, even warns the character, the player at the beginning of the game. How long till you get frustrated and you kill someone because of it, right? How long till? How much can you control yourself when you hit a brick wall, right? So they might have killed Toriel and seen this scene where even though she's wounded and she's about to die, she says, take care of yourself, my child. Right. Don't let anyone get you. Right. Be strong to seeing what happens in the genocide route where she's this has this look of shock. Did you hate me that much? Right. I, yeah, I get it right. now. I wasn't protecting you from them. I was protecting them from you. Right. Is, is that. In the genocide mm -hmm. run, because I know we watched it, but we didn't watch like an entire genocide run of the game. Is that sort of like the tipping point for that in the game where it's like the theme becomes you're the yeah, monster? That, from then on, basically Sans almost immediately recognizes that you're a threat. Um, it takes oh, a long really? time for a lot of side characters to catch on, but um, well, not not a long time, but each of them kind of has their own little arc, right? But yeah. yeah, from basically the moment you exit the ruins on the genocide route, you are you're locked into evil. Now you can you can individually yeah. not kill certain things, but there's a um, the the qualifications for the genocide route. I think are to literally kill everything, but you will still get bad endings for obviously wiping out a bunch of these creatures, right? Yeah. So right, but right, right, yeah, right. like it the Toriel thing really gets me because. I, I don't know. I think I think it's just that what I know about her after having played the game, it's like this it's this really despicable thing to do. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts offline after you, you know, a little bit more about it. There's there's yeah, more to what yeah, she's saying than you really know. So, 
Okay. I I um I think this goes a measure further, a big measure further than just your simple like choices matter mechanic. Yeah. Right. Because choices choices matter in games under different contexts depending on the game, obviously, but usually it's represented in the cutscenes that you see. Yeah or just simply the way that certain people talk to you sometimes. And then, you know, it's typically wrapped up in a, you get one of three yeah. different mm-hmm. endings, right? Like mass effect, very famous for telling you your choices mattered. And then choose your color, spinning yeah. on your choices mm-hmm. at the end. Right. Exactly. Right. But I think that's because the vision of that is less about making the choices matter for the player and more about making the choices matter for the story that you ultimately want yeah. to tell, mm-hmm. right? And I haven't, again, I haven't beaten the game, as you know, but s- thus far, I think this is a really different take on that for obvious gameplay reasons, as we've just discussed, but also because what we know of what happens at the end of the genocide run really communicates this and drives it home, where it's the 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 thought was always choices matter for yeah. the player right the game makes it pretty well known that it's aware that yeah. it's a game that which i think is really fucking yeah i want to hear your thoughts on that and also undyne because there's there's a lot of these moments where this game is like you are straight up evil there's something wrong with you why are you doing yeah. this Right. There's this magical yeah. moment. We don't have to talk about it much. It's one of my favorite parts of the genocide run, though, where uh, so Undyne in the uh, Undyne the night. She's like a she's, I think, literally like a Undyne. Like that's a that's a fantasy type creature. But she's like a, she's like a lizard yeah. girl, fish mm-hmm. girl, basically. Um, and when she fights you in the normal route, she looks a very specific way. She still cuts the dashing figure of the night, but she has this song called mm-hmm. the Spear of Justice. In the genocide route, she takes a blow for a child you're about to kill. And she's about to fade yeah. away because it was a fatal blow. But she has an, a literal anime moment. And she's like, no, I yeah. won't fade <laughs> away. I won't let you do this. I can tell you're going to kill not only all the monsters, but all the humans, everything. And I can feel everyone's hearts as one and we're going to come together. Yeah, to it is sp- it is some real fucking yeah, Goku it is, shit. It, it is literally the speech Goku makes before like killing Cell or something. Right? <laughs> she's, she's spirit bombing almost literally. Right. Yeah. yeah and she yeah, manifests yeah. this brand new set of armor and she has a brand new battle theme. The, the name of the theme is battle against a true hero. You are killing the true hero of the story, fighting the most evil monster to ever be scene right you the player yeah, you and it's it, it's the game right. makes it clear too that it's judging the player not the character and we'll talk about that after that yeah. but then you go on to the the ending that you're alluding to the fight with sands so the the genocide yes. route has a special moment well several special moments but a special moment that only occurs in genocide and this is the source of all the sands undertale memes and the megalovania memes but Give us a give us a brief synopsis of what happened and what you thought about it, Chris, because you had a you had a powerful reaction to seeing that. So, yeah, I mean, again, you know, only being a couple hours into the game and not having seen 
goddamn everything right. there is yeah. to see yet, right? Um, when I mentioned that the bullet hell segments can get abstract and creative, that goes completely out of the window with this Sans fight. The it's no longer you are playing a bullet hell segment. You are the bullet hell yeah. segment in a lot of ways. Sans essentially at, with his hands in his pockets is dodging every single attack that the player makes. And then his attacks, the bullet hell segments that you have to go off the fucking rails. There are these huge monster heads that shoot these like rail gun cannon lasers in different directions throughout the screen that look fucking impossible to dodge. There are these impossibly quick and like really uh, twisty and turny. Uh, yeah, ba basically, uh, think, there's like, one yeah, correct like, route through his segments. You have to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You have to legitimately. And I mean, like, you know, I we saw the player that was playing it get hit a couple times. But for all intents and purposes, I don't know. I'm sure it's out there, but a, a perfect run on that boss fight has got to be. Oh, it. Yeah, so it has to be insanely difficult. Absolutely. It's 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 one of those things yeah. that it it expects you to be pushed to your absolute limit. Right. Yeah. And I think I think what what this is representing here is this is the game's final plea for you to stop yes. killing. This is the game pleading with you, please, please stop killing. And it's not asking you nicely. Yeah. It is pounding you into the fucking yeah. dirt in order to get you to yeah. relent. It's it's great because we have these moments with Sans where he's he's like saying, what's the point of even trying when like Sans is this very meta aware character. He's aware that basically there's another force controlling this little kid. Right. When you can yeah. just reset everything and I wouldn't even know it's been reset. Why even bother trying? And then he's like, but I have to try because if I don't, you'll destroy everything. And he's pleading with you like, hey, you know, it'll be super cool if you would just stop right now, because I'm just going to make this yeah. so miserable for you that you're going to want to stop. So please stop. Right. Just these this this game through sands pleading with you before it's too late. Like, well, it's already too late in a lot of ways, but like, don't take that yeah. last step. Come on, man. Just, just right. go outside. Yeah. Literally just go outside. I wish you would step yeah. back from that exactly. ledge, my friend. <laughs> but <laughs> it, it, it's great because this should be a challenge, right? There's, there's yeah. nothing wrong with power fantasy games. There's nothing wrong with like, there, I, a great example of this is the Overlord series of games. You ever play those? Uh, they're they're no, kind of no. shitty little games, but they're like, there it's this 360 era game it's like half rts half brawler where you have these little minions and you're the overlord and you tell your minions what to do it's kind of like a demented pikmin in a way right and it's okay. kind of a power fantasy game there's nothing wrong with a game where you're just super strong and super evil it's or even like fable had that kind of thing right to it right but yeah right mm -hmm. when the stakes as written in this world are the literal destruction of existence this this self-aware game thinking to itself you're destroying all my code basically right then you're going to ruin <laughs> yeah. me and turn me off and never play me again fucking stop what is wrong with you you know what i mean like it's having yeah, that level right. of conversation with you and it makes yeah. you like 
unless you're an actual sociopath, right? Like it makes you like really think about what you're doing. It doesn't mean like I, 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 no one should lie awake at night thinking about what they've done in Undertale. I mean, it's still a video game, but it's just this idea of like, yeah, this is a little messed up what I'm doing. I'm kind of just I, doing this because I can. I feel that I have exactly. to see this through because I'm basically just testing whether everything can die. And it's it's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they even there's there's commentary that Sans has uh, on you know, persevering, like you just said, because you can and because you have to see if it can be done simply because you have been giving you have been given the keys to the yeah. castle, right? You're in the game, you are interacting with it. And I think that it's it's such an interesting statement that like not only on the act of violence within Undertale itself, but on the idea of consumption and completionism yeah. in a sense where it's like, how do we consume games, right? Like you, you hear about it's 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 like a really meta love letter to video gaming in general from Toby Fox in a way that it's like it's not only about killing all the enemies in the game, and we th we always think about games and we think about you know our attachment to them in terms of almost like memories, right? It's almost like going to a concert, right? Mm -hmm. You talk to people like myself and yourself and it's like, what are some games, you know, what are some of your favorite games? And you would say, well, Resident Evil because, and I would be struck by lightning if 90% of them weren't childhood yeah. related, mm -hmm. right? And it's the same thing as me for a lot of like the, the fucking X-Men fighters and stuff where it's just like, I have this attachment to video games from my youth that seemingly did not have a shelf mm -hmm. life. It was they, they. It seemed like they were so ingrained and so a part of my life that they themselves were living characters in my in my world in my space. And so I really like that that dialogue about turning it off and just putting it away and never coming back again is is really like narrative yeah. sentience, right? Because it, it's tugging on all these heartstrings where it's just like, we've had such a great time, despite the fact that you've killed everything in this game. Haven't you had fun doing it? Why do you want to stop? Don't you love yeah. me? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, I just, I think it is so, it's so fucking smart and it's so different and it's so unique. And it's this like really unpretentious, like pure, narrative yeah. structure that comes unpretentious through is a good way of putting it because this could have easily come off like huffing farts but it's just this it's done simply from sans's perspective this guy that doesn't want to die because he knows you're fucked up and you're going to turn the game off and everything's going to be ruined right it's it's not yeah. this m paragraph of well you see like the maybe that we are the monsters for creating these artificial intelligences <laughs> and torturing them. You know what I mean? It's not like Harlan Ellison, right? It's not, I, it's not, I have yeah, no mouth yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. a scream. It's, it's just not that I, to be clear, I like that book, but like, it, it's just this very simple emotional appeal. Right. And it's, it's something that yeah. he knows is going to land. Like you said, you're, I know you like video games. You're here. Right. I, yeah, I would feel right, fucked up yeah. if something said this to me. And then the balls, to cap this game off the way that it does in the genocide route where you come face to face with, I believe it's Chada is the, the canon name mm -hmm. of this little boy. Right. 
this demonic creature that it's taken the name of like whatever you named your character and it's like yeah he's done well like i i i needed something from you to to gain my power all these things levels attack power money whenever these numbers go up that feeling you get that's me right this creature in the machine so much it's it's just that perfect little capstone of like wow you sick little fuck i like you you know what i mean and it's it's like you don't want to hear that from this demonic looking thing right and yeah um it basically the game caps off and i talked about this in the first uh part of our episode but the creature's like are you ready let's erase this world and move on to the next one and basically yeah, yeah like, what, what do you mean and no matter basically no matter what you pick he decides that he has no further use for you or maybe he's destroying the world it's hard to say but he slices yeah. the screen which takes an uncalculable amount of damage the screen is filled with like nine damage numbers right nines, nines. yeah and the game crashes <laughs> because he's destroyed it undertale is no he's more dead. he's destroyed it and like sans literally is like in that boss fight is like you will destroy yeah. everything if i let yeah. you continue so then you go back in and the game is like why did you come back you got what you wanted you destroyed everything right oh you yeah. want to come back that's weird right i don't understand that emotion why would you want to come back to this thing that you destroyed well I guess I could make it happen if you sell me your soul, right? And you can mm-hmm. sell him your yeah. soul. And there's these little, like, there's these little nods to it. If you basically reset the world, if you say that you're above consequences, right? And you are just the god among yeah. these little creatures, they react differently to it. It's just, it's so beautiful, right? It's, it's a risk of being cliche. It's just, it's a beautiful little package that just wraps back in on itself, right? It's it's accounted for yeah. all of its behavior nicely. And good. I want oh, go I was just gonna say thought, and when games like The Last of Us come out, like when when I was hearing this discussion, I'm pretty sure I've even talked to you about it, right? Like when the discussion yeah. mm-hmm. was at its peak and people were saying, You just don't understand that the emotions <laughs> of it are that like it's the revenge is bad. Okay. Well, she saw Joel and then she realized I, I can't yeah. do this no more. It's, it, it just to me is like so indicative of the poor media literacy of video games. There are so many games that people haven't played. And I'm not, I'm not blaming people. I just mean that like there's, there's so much that isn't explored yeah, yeah, yeah. where like anyone could say that when something even like undertale exists like i i i really don't want to make it seem like i'm talking down on it but this is a game made by a guy in a couple of years that's eight hours long it looks like kind of a nintendo game right it was it's basically ten (laughs) dollars it does such a great job of chastising you for your actions and naughty fucking dog can't get it right you know what i mean (laughs) <laughs> it's it's i i needed to show this to you because i think it is such a great game the the line about from the from the genocide mm-hmm. run 
And I think that it's it, it was such a good idea for us to explore this as part of this because so much of, I think, what we would classify as the fiat of Undertale is contained in that the end of that right. genocide run, or at least the most on-the-nose representation of it, right? Um, but like you mentioned the line before where it's like, all you all you were fixated on were, were these numbers going yeah. up, right? And I think for me, I took that as a little bit of a cheeky commentary on the state of games yeah. itself, right? And the state of what's popular, what what gets the most press, and most importantly, like what is lauded in the space mm -hmm. of games, right? And this isn't a new concept for creators within the within a certain medium space to use their their uh platforms and their art form to critique other creators and to critique the actual industry that it's in and whether toby fox was meaning to do this or not it's really something that stuck with me about that because it spoke to me in a way where it's like so much of what exists today and what is passed off as this kino of games yeah. right are just these really one-dimensional basic representations of these concepts that could be explored in a way that they're explored in Undertale. And that line specifically, and that moment specifically, to me, is Toby Fox saying, we can have yeah. this. You're, you are one up on where I'm going with this mini arc because, as you know, one of my favorite video game developers, Yoko Taro, gave a, a fascinating yes. uh, GDC conference where he talked about the things you can't do in video games and why he's so obsessed with them. Why can't you make an unbeatable video game? Why can't you make a video game that takes three years to beat? Why can't you make like all these things, right? Because Undertale yeah, is exactly yeah. this. You're, you're landing exactly where I wanted you to, where... Why the fuck do we have to tell stories like movies in this media? Yeah, right. Why can't we do exactly this? Why can't we have the player's actions dictate the themes of the story? The genocide run is nothing like the narrative themes of the pacifist run. And it's all because of what you choose to do. It's not different cutscenes. It's not a linear, it's not a linear story trying to give certain things it's something only video games can do and there's not enough of it right yeah. that's it so yeah so, the question even though i i already know the answer but <laughs> what'd you think of undertale did it chill oh i fucking love it dude i, I can't wait to there i was i was messaging you earlier and while i was on yeah. undyne and i was like i've got a knock against this game i yeah. was hot i was i was hot I was like, I'm going through this Undyne fight. And like, cause like at the time I am used to, quote unquote used air quotes to sometimes doing the thing that you think is the right thing. Ad nauseum is how you get the result yeah. that you want. So I'm sitting there and I'm, what, what, what were the options for Undyne? It was, uh, in, in the act, it was, um, challenge or plead yeah. mm -hmm. is what it was and i'm pleading and i'm pleading and i'm pleading and i'm pleading and nothing's working right and it's keep saying stuff like um 
oh, you know, your pleading reminds her of somebody and her attacks slow down mm -hmm. or whenever. And like she would say something like you need to meet danger for face danger head on if you want to yeah. beat me. Right. And so I was like, OK, well, maybe that means it needs it, she wants to be challenged. Right. So I was like, well, challenge. Right. And she was like, it's like Undyne's mad at you now or whatever. And her attacks yeah. speed up. They're double. They're double the strength. And I was just like, fuck. Yeah. Right. Because I was getting through. I was and I was dying. I was dying to Undyne. I died like twice. And like, I was like, I just I just do not want to <laughs> do this whole yeah. fucking fight. <laughs> again yeah. dude again i do not want to do this whole fight again it's not like i can just pick up at a checkpoint and it's not even like i was even telling you today i was like it's not even like i have a boss health bar to mm -hmm. go by when i'm trying to do the pacifist shit so i just have to it's i just have to fucking yeah. parse it mm -hmm. out you know and then on I, I took a break i went and played some strive i took out my frustrations and then i came back to it and then I read on the act and it says Undyne will never back yeah. down. And I was like, oh, yeah. I have to run. Uh -huh. <laughs> yep. So, so like that, like, so the, the, like I mentioned before the papyrus moment was where I started to grab onto it. That moment running from Undyne coming to that conclusion after dying to her a couple times was when I don't want to call it a eureka moment, but that's when I was like, I have to see, I have to see the rest yeah. of this game because it was so, it was, it was so like, it, it was, a, it was a, a mixture of a lot of different emotions. It was embarrassment, right? I felt like I was being mm -hmm. teased. And then I also felt this like insane gratification behind not only figuring it out, obviously, because you get, you get the, 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 self brownie right. points for solving the puzzle right you get a little little charge out of that but also just the fact that i was like the fucking balls on this yeah. game right like to just say big boss biggest challenge you faced yet you have yeah. to run <laughs> you know and not only do you have to run but you're gonna run from this thing until you have an opportunity to sort of make make friends with yeah. it in a way right i just i, I loved that moment it, so it, much the game it it has brass fucking stones man like even the shit with toriel at the beginning of the game where you have to spare her like 15 freaking times or whatever you know what i mean spare 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 yeah. it expects you to calmly assess the situation and persevere you need to be determined to beat undertale right and that's that's yep. I mean, it's it's a thing of beauty. I fucking love this game. I'm glad. I'm really glad you liked it. I was I was kind of scared yeah, about this. I can't one, wait. To, to be honest with you. Oh no no I I can't wait to finish it. I um you know I I could I could I could listen. Sometimes I would hit an encounter or a place that had like mm -hmm. a good bot, and I was just like I'm gonna take like five minutes and just yeah. listen to the music. I'm right there with you because <laughs> so, some of it is so some of it is truly truly so good. That it's like I would I would put it, I'd say my favorite music and just games in general right now is is Guilty mm -hmm. Gear music, just because it's Guilty Gear music and it's fucking sick, right? I would I would put it up with the best of the best of Guilty Gear songs in terms of like how perfect it is for this game and how much emotion it evokes mm -hmm. out of me whenever I hear it, 
when it because it makes me think about the yeah. game right it's it's that level of soundtrack i think it's great but yeah i mean i i can't wait to finish this game i i genuinely genuinely love it it's it's already one of one of my i've i've already like texted like three people like I know the answer is a no, but you've probably you've played Undertale, yeah. right? You know, because I know there's these people that have never played it. And I'm just like, I have to get people to play this to see yeah. what they think of it, because I mean, it's you're, just you're ugh, right there where I great. was like, it's it's that thing where especially with something like this, where the community is like either a bunch of Zoomers posting the same cringe memes over and over again, or just people that have moved past it. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no one to really yeah. talk about this game and talk about things like how fucking crazy are are the themes of that last fight with sans and what happens in the ending of the genocide run like that is so fucking cool yeah. and i worry well i don't i don't worry but i think that for the younger generation that lashed onto it they don't really understand how kind of novel that is and how shocking it is that that even is novel in this industry you know what i mean yeah yeah i think that there are a lot of masqueraders in the games industry a lot of pretenders that will tell you that their games can do a lot of the things that Undertale does, and it this game is mask yeah. fucking off. It is. It's not a pretender. It it knows exactly what it is, and it's not ashamed yeah. of itself. And it, we talk about games as art a lot, and I, I think it's a little bit fart huffy to be like this. Yeah, is art, right? Like it's it's fucking yeah, it's truly, truly art. And it's it's not even to say like triple a games could never do this it's more to say why aren't you you have so much more money yes, exactly. so much i don't mean by more talent i mean they literally have more people like why aren't you doing this why yeah i i mean i i, I genuinely think that it is down to this it's like uh it's over peer reviewed, yeah. right? It's, I, we talked about this. I, I can't remember for the life of me who to cite. Ugh, sorry, I can't, can't remember who to cite my source, but I heard, I heard an anecdote, an anecdote similar to this on a video. And I was like, this makes so much fucking sense for so much of the stuff that we, that we bitch about like this. But it's like, you have people involved in these massive scaled projects that went to the same five schools mm -hmm that offer the programs for their, for their profession, what they're doing. And all they're doing all day is taking the work that they've mocked up and showing it to somebody else who's, who's making iterative changes on it. Who's then showing it to somebody else who is then making iterative changes on it. And you end up with, to use the example from what I'm thinking of the Demogorgon and stranger things is the most like boring monster creature yeah. monster you could possibly come up it's slender it has no interesting like aspects to it outside of well when it opens its flower like mouth it has like a bunch of yeah. teeth right and then you think about the xenomorphs right and you think about hr giger yeah. right and the things that he drew and it's like this is one guy with a vision that has a very specific thing that he wants to represent within the design of his character be it fear or revulsion or, yeah, or whatever or penises and vaginas but like but, it, penises but at least and vaginas, it's that right. you know what i mean like it's, exactly and at least it's not this like literal slug yeah. of a character that's so inoffensive that it just flies under yeah, the radar it, like you said all these people have the same fucking taste because they're the same fucking person 
and they all hang out with each other. Like, <laughs> right. no wonder that everything yeah, looks the exactly. same. Exactly. Like, the, the, yeah, we could go down this road forever, but the, the the trend of movie games, as far as I'm concerned, either for either it has to stop or I'm hopefully leading a charge of people our age <laughs> into the indies or the double A's, right? Like, I would yes. rather play Yoko Taro's weirdest shit onto a plate video game i would rather play death stranding than fucking god of war i will be brutally <laughs> honest with you i would rather literally yeah. deliver packages than play god of war yeah well again i think this is down to and this is not to say that kojima doesn't have people supporting him but this is one fucking man's yeah. vision versus you know panel yeah. content right and it, it, it's undertale is something that stands out as a vision and it does not stand out as a, an over overly overly uh, obsessed over product that is meant to yeah. sell this is somebody's vision that they wanted to put out there and it's extremely clear that it is and i i mean to to get as fart huffy as humanly possible to wrap up here i'm gonna call it yeah. avant guard i agree well, <laughs> because I, yeah, it I is. mean, truly, but I'm glad you liked it. Um, I'm going to keep our next episode a secret, but it's in the same vein. Oh, uh, it's another game Ooh. that does something better, in my opinion. I'm interested Exciting. to see what you think of that. But I also look forward to playing Delta Rune. I hope you will play it, too. And we can uh, yeah. talk about that. That's yeah. uh, the it's a ongoing yeah, saga. Chapter two just came out. I think he I think Toby Fox said he expects six chapters. And he's not going to charge for it until it's a complete game, which is a very bold oh, statement. Very cool. But I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I will absolutely be checking that out. I just started to learn about what the Delta Rune yeah. is mm -hmm. in Undertale. So and as soon as they came up, I was like, yeah, yeah, I Delta know that. Rune. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, man, it was it was great. I love it. I can't wait to continue. And don't forget, if you want to hear all the old episodes of King of the Shill, you can do so at Spotify and iTunes at themanyfolds.com. Come say hi at The Many Folds on Twitter and Instagram. I don't know what's coming up next, but I can't wait. We will probably not have another episode this week because of Thanksgiving. Yes. So gobble, gobble, motherfuckers. Turkeys are people too? Question mark? Hashtag? Do you think... Do you think my question is, is the president of the United States usually pardons a turkey every year for Thanksgiving because haha ha, boomer yeah. cutesiness? I, I do you think we're going to get a pardon this year or do you think or do you think old Joe's going to go ruthless genocide? No, route? I think old Joe is going to have a senile moment and pardon one of his aides instead. And it, it will be a wonderful <laughs> mainstream media news moment and everyone will have a great chuckle and a great Thanksgiving. So. Well, at least the turkey will get to have Thanksgiving dinner yeah. with his turkey family then. All right. Peace. All right, see ya. <laughs> King of the Shield.